guys. We have the coolest thing in our longest, shortest time merch shop. Just in time for Valentine's Day. Mom tattoos. Jesse Hopeless, you know, the amazing tattoo artist we featured in our episode, Kicking Ass While Pregnant. She created the designs. They're beautiful and so badass. One of them is a heart that spells out M-O-M in Morse code. I love it so much. I'm actually going to give up on soap this month just to make these temporary tattoos a little less temporary. Order now for a mom in your life. Go to longestshortesttime.com and hit the shop button. Remember those choose-your-own-adventure books? They're written in the second person. The idea was you were the protagonist. You were the spy or the mountain climber or the time traveler. You'd be reading about yourself on a big adventure, and then you'd be presented with a choice. Turn to page 10, and you could wind up in a cool new dimension. Turn to page 31, and you die. Right now, I feel like I'm living a choose-your-own-adventure. I've arrived at one of those crossroad pages where I've got to pick a path. The path that'll determine how I become a parent. As anyone knows from listening to the show, there are so many different ways to do that. And all I really want to do is cheat, like I used to do with these books. Just turn down the corner of the page and make sure that the choices I'm making today will lead to the outcome I'm hoping for. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm your host, Andrea Salenzi. Today on the show, I'm opening up a lot. I'm going to be sharing the plan I've always had for becoming a mom and why I'm realizing now there might be another adventure in store for me. on fairy tales, but I always knew they weren't real. It was the 1990s, and I didn't want to be a princess. I wanted to wear a Hillary Clinton pantsuit, get a perm, and learn how to golf so I could work in business. Which is why I always nodded along when a family member would punch me in the shoulder, ask if I was planning to get my MRS degree in college. I imagined I'd do it all at once, get an education, and meet the love of my life. We'd stumble into each other on the library steps. In a big romantic cliche, my books flying everywhere and his glasses sliding halfway down his nose. After I got my bachelor's, I stayed a bachelorette for a while. I started a 401k, bought a couch that wasn't a futon, and adopted a dog. Those rights of adulthood I expected to go through with a partner, I did on my own. And then, one by one, my friends started to bring home partners that they were serious about, who felt custom-made for the particular quirks of that friend. Like my friend who found the one guy who loves costume parties as much as she does. There's my other friend who found the guy who could understand the intricate inner lives and alter egos she imagines for her cats. The more of my friends who met their matches, the clearer it's become that I haven't met mine. From the outside, it might seem like I'm just picky with impossibly high standards or a time-consuming, very questionable sexual fetish. But in my darkest moments, I often suspect I know the truth. 
that I'm a misfit doll left on the shelf, missing a few parts, incorrectly programmed, only available to be sold as is. I only started feeling this way recently, after my last breakup a little over a year ago. And ever since then, dating's gotten much harder for me. Compared to my 20s, I'm less impulsive, less willing to get on a motorcycle or participate in karaoke in front of a group. These days, I spend Saturday nights alone. In a lot of ways, this is just how dating works right now. No one schedules first dates for a Saturday. It's considered too risky to both hinge all your weekend plans on a guy from the internet or reveal to him your lack of contenders. At first, staying in felt nerve-wracking. I remember drawing the curtains so no one would know. I'm lying to my mom about it on the phone. What'd you do last night? Oh, just went out with some friends. And I'll admit what busy parents must suspect. These Saturday nights spent alone are, in some ways, a dream. There's a movie theater near my apartment where you can order a cocktail from your seat. That's where I watched Amy Adams in Arrival, an alien movie that made me think about raising a sick kid. When I went to see Lady Bird, I watched how the Laurie Metcalf character looked at her teenage daughter coming out of a dressing room, wearing something she clearly thought was too pink. And Call Me By Your Name, I marveled at how the Timothy Chalamet character, a French 17-year-old in 1983, could still casually lay across his parents on the couch while his mother read him German folktales during a thunderstorm. After these movies, my head is spinning with questions. How do you show affection to a teenager? How do mothers talk to daughters? If you could see how your life would play out, would you still make all the same choices? leave the theater, I'll usually end up riding down the escalator behind some cute kid who just saw another movie with their parent. I'll stand a little too close, close enough to notice the latest in kids' winter boot fashion, the restless way they kick their feet and beat their arms. I'll lean in and eavesdrop and catch them saying something like, why were your eyes closed during the movie? Does the lady behind us know us? The truth about my Saturdays is I'd rather be in the spot of that parent, taking a kid to see some dumb movie where, I don't know, Alec Baldwin pretends to be a baby who's also a boss. I'd sit next to my kid, sharing the junior mints even though his fingers are all sticky. But get this, I happen to have a new package of wet wipes in the front pocket of my purse. I squish his little fingers clean. During the credits, my kid is thanking me, asking if we can come back next weekend and bring his teacher. But I'm not there yet. And right now, my weekends feel like they're trapped in the previews, waiting for the main feature to start. Three years ago, I thought I'd met the guy who was my match. Our stories had collided in the same choose-your-own-adventure, and we'd both chosen the path where you fall in love, move in together, buy an even fancier couch, where he rubs your dog's belly every morning, and you decide to always go whale-watching together in the summers. He was the one guy I could cry around if I thought too long about how much I love whales. Our story was heading towards this blissful, neatly wrapped-up ending. 
but there was still another choice to make. Turn to page 54 to start a family or page 72 for a child-free future. We flipped to different pages. The drama of these books is the extreme impacts of your decisions. It can either lead to a fun journey to outer space with your new alien friends, or you fall to your doom in a snake pit. The end. And you can usually trace your bad choices back to one specific moment. Like, I always wonder, would I be a mom now if I hadn't taken that job in Missouri? What if I'd broken up with the guy who left his shoes everywhere? Sooner. What if I'd gotten a haircut when my mom told me to? Sometimes I just so badly want to see that alternate reality, to escape from my lonely Saturday nights and magically land on page 230, living happily ever after with my partner and my six-month-old. Can I have just one peek? See if that reality lives up to the fantasy? Well, coming up, I kind of sort of get that chance. Stay with us. Say advertisement. Advertisement. Good job. (laughs) We're back, and I want to introduce you to a listener named Tori. We're both 32 years old, but she's like the West Coast version of me. More sun-kissed and outdoorsy. Yeah, especially like my husband and I like to go to music festivals, camping festivals. Like we joke that we named our baby after a beer. Sierra is six months old now, and she has this crooked little half smile and a general laid backness. Her parents think this is because her dad likes to play her songs by the jam band Fish. Tori's living the life I always imagined for myself in my early 30s. Career, baby, husband, homeowner, instead of career, dog waiting for him to text back, owns her own Instant Pot. She just happened to make the choices that led her to this place. Tori very kindly let me call her up and ask her about the realities of her life with a partner and baby. And it turns out, yeah, even her apps are dreamy to me. There's this one she got from her kid's daycare. It will track when they check the diaper, if it's dry, if she poops, it says BM, bowel movement. Tom's like, what's BM? It's bowel movement. Tells you if she's had a bowel movement. You mean instead of flipping through all these crappy dudes on Tinder, I could be getting updates from a poop tracker? That actually sounds heavenly. Less dudes, more doo-doo. And I would happily trade my awkward dates for mom mishaps. Like the time Tori opened up her office mini fridge to find a giant pool of spilled breast milk. There's like people around me watching this happen and it's like, it's a lot of milk. And so it's like pouring onto the floor, (laughs) the hardwood. And we have office dogs in our our company and they're off leash and just like roaming around. And the dog in our office, Danny, uh, just like beelined for my milk and was lapping it up before I could wipe it up. Then there was this time Tori brought home her first package of nursing pads. They're like panty liners, but for boobs, to stop breast milk from leaking through your shirt. So I opened the pads and I put them on my boobs. And I don't read the instruction manual or like really look at them or anything. The pads are round. One side is soft and absorbent. The other is sticky. So I'm putting the adhesive directly on my skin, (laughs) on my nipple, and thinking that this is totally normal. And I'm exhausted, mind you. Like, you just, like, aren't really doing a lot of thinking 
the first few days after you had a baby. So I'm not, I'm not like, oh, I wonder how I use this or anything. No, I'm just like doing it this way. And I remember thinking like, it's kind of weird that like there's some residue here, like a little bit of glue. And I'm thinking like, this is really uncomfortable when I pull this off my skin, but like, oh, it must be fine. Like new moms, like products don't work well all the time. It turns out the pads go the other way. Sticky side away from the boob, soft absorbent stuff towards the nipple. When Tori told her mom friends what she did, she expected a few of them to confess that they made the same mistake. And they all just were like, their mouths dropped, and they were like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) They were like, no, no, you're on your own for that one. Like, wow. I feel like I would have made the same mistake. If someone hands you a sticker, you just stick it to your chest, right? Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. (laughs) I thought so, too. And, like, I, you know, I was able to, like, walk around the house. Like, because when you first have a baby, you're just kind of in, like, full, like, I would just walk around topless all the time. So I was able to just, like, stick them on, and they would just stay there without having to have fabric on. (laughs) So I thought that was totally normal. Tori's mom friends don't get her. She's got someone else in her corner, her husband, Tom. They met seven years ago when Tori was 25 years old. I'm a total creep and watch their wedding video online. It's an outdoor ceremony. Her hair is long and clipped back with flowers. And I choked up listening to her vows. It's kind of hard to hear, so let me just tell you what she's about to say. On our first date, you said it was the best Tuesday ever. It was. Every Tuesday since has been better because I've had you. It's a lifetime of Tuesdays together. Here's to a lifetime of Tuesdays. It's super nice to have a teammate. And as overwhelmed as I feel, I would be so much more overwhelmed (laughs) without Tom. And it's fun for us together in our own relationship to have like this new bond of loving something so much together. It's this like really beautiful thing. But, like, we have our new, like, biggest interest that, like, before when we were together, we loved travel or we loved our dog or we wanted to go to concerts together. And those were our number one shared interests. And, like, now by far it's our daughter. And that's, like, a pretty big shift. And it's nice to have someone there to also kind of ease that burden of responsibility that I talked with and the anxiety you feel about having to be responsible 24-7. So there's this thing that Maybe you know about me by now. I've said it on the show before. Whenever I hear someone talking about a guy being good at dad stuff, I hear this music. Kristen, you're in the control room. Uh, Please tell me you hear that too. No, that's, that's definitely just you. He's definitely ready to like tackle the dirty stuff. The dirty stuff. See, that's the kind of guy I want to meet. My only job for the first, like, three weeks after giving birth was, like, feed the baby and try to survive. And so he did literally every single diaper. To the point where I started getting self-conscious and being like, I don't know if I really know how to change diapers. And I have a three-week-old. Like, he was doing that many diapers, which was really sweet. And then Tori told me about a road trip they went on as a family. 
I've got to say, this is the first time I've ever deeply considered what's involved in co-parenting. So they're almost to their Airbnb when Sierra had a blowout in her car seat, which, side note, I've only ever heard a blowout refer to a big sale or something you do to your hair. But that's not what they're talking about, which was poop that shot out of their baby's diaper all the way up to her neck. And so Tom immediately is willing to kind of like grab her and I throw them in the shower together to get her clean. Like with all of her clothes on, like this is just like everything's drenched in poo. And I have all of her toiletries and my toiletries in a travel bag. So everything is just piled together, like her vitamin drops, all my toothbrush, toothpaste, everything that I need and everything she needs is in one bag. And it's kind of dark and I'm like super flustered and I like reach into the bag and grab her baby shampoo bottle, her like Johnson's and Johnson's teeny travel shampoo bottle, and throw some on my hands to go ahead and and kind of start rubbing her. The shower door's open and I'm, I'm rubbing Sierra and Tom's holding her and I'm just kind of trying to get her clean. And maybe in the back of my mind, I'm like, hmm, I wonder why this isn't lathering this much, but it's not triggering enough to like stop and, and really think about anything. And Tom's being a good sport. He's, you know, naked in the shower with her. We're cleaning her. The poop, you know, fiasco's gone. We've gotten most of the poop out of her clothes. She's clean. We're wrapping her up in the towel. And I'm I'm going back into the other room. And Tom yells at me from the bathroom and says, is the bottle on the counter what you use to wash Sierra with? And I said, yes, like, of course. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that's what we use to wash her. She's clean. Great. Like, let's go to bed. We're tired. And he's like, Tori, the bottle on the counter is not Sierra's baby shampoo It's the KY warming liquid, (laughs) which is something that, like, any parent could relate to, that, like, postpartum, you definitely need a little help in that department. So, Minnie, it's very common to travel with something like this. Like, it is insane how much these bottles look the same. (laughs) They're, like, the exact same shape and size. Like, the travel size one, they just have different colored lids. So, I'm, like, I, like, I'm, like, I never thought I would say this in my life, but I'm like, honey, we put lube on the baby. <laughs> and like, not only lube, but like, it's like warming liquid. And so for a moment, I'm like terrified. I'm like Googling stuff. I'm like, are there all these crazy chemicals? Is she going to break out into a rash? Like, what have I done? Were there a lot of Google results for <laughs> putting lube on the baby? No, it was, I, it was more like, I didn't really get a lot. I think I might have been a pioneer in this uh, product usage. <laughs> Someone at Google headquarters was just like, what? This is a new one. What I learned is it actually made her super soft. Like, it'd be, like, really soft. Like, her skin is softer. Like, she gets really dry after bath time. And I was, like, kind of rubbing her legs. And I'm like, I think I may have discovered this amazing new crossover baby product. (laughs) And we should steal the recipe and start marketing it. If any of you out there decides to make lube for babies, please don't tell anyone you got the idea from the show. Also, just really hoping no one's headphones just became unplugged right now and your entire office just heard us putting the word lube anywhere near the word baby. Okay, but here's the part of Tori's story that, for me, was like, oh. It's funny to think that you would cherish a silly moment like that, but you kind of, you need those. Tom didn't blame Tori for reaching for the wrong bottle, and she didn't blame him for not noticing it wasn't lathering. It brought them closer together. It was just like one of those things where you make a little mistake and everything's totally fine. And that I think alleviates some of the pressure that you feel and anxiety you feel as, as partners and as parents. When I imagine myself in Tori's place, 
I'm not sure my adventure would have the same outcome. What if I wind up with the kind of guy who'd be freaking out, insisting we go to the ER and spend the night telling doctors, yes, it was the warming kind? Or the kind of guy who would blame me and say, well, if you hadn't used up all the lube on the baby, it's impossible to predict how two people would behave under the stress of new parenthood. And I don't think dating's prepared me for that. I once had bed bugs while dating a guy, and I just didn't see him for a month. He'd say, could I do anything? I'd say, no. I pretended like I was afraid of him catching my bed bugs. But honestly, I hated the idea of him seeing me so frazzled and exposed. And while we're talking about being exposed, I would just walk around topless all the time. When Tori said this, it scared the crap out of me. I'm not ready for that with someone. Every time my shirt comes off in front of a date, I'm still thinking about where my jeans are hitting my hips. If my bra left red marks all over me that day, have I shaved my armpits? It's definitely changed things. Like people joke about keeping it sexy, quote unquote. It's like, it's hard. He'll see me like in the mornings after I've fed Sierra. I just like, for convenience sake, I just have our breast pump right in the middle of the living room. So I'm just sitting there like plugged in, you know, for anyone that's seen, it's like a pretty funny looking maneuver. And I'll just be sitting there topless, hooked up to the machine, you know, having a cup of coffee. Um, So to imagine like someone that I just met seeing me like that or, even like I, I guess I don't even know like a close friend I'd want to see me like that, but it's like my partner seeing me like that is pretty funny. Um, I think going through birth together just like kind of like shakes all of that out really quickly. Like that most traumatic moment of him watching me give birth made it so everything else felt a little bit more subtle. But yeah, you're physically and emotionally very, very vulnerable to your partner. You know, I go to the bathroom with the door open so I can hear Sierra if she's crying or things like that. Can you imagine doing that with someone you've just started dating? (laughs) You just kind of let go of it and it becomes its own thing where like your intimacy is instead through like you created this wonderful life together that you're taking care of. You've, you know, created this baby together and it's the silly stuff. The Like that doesn't matter as much if that makes sense. This kind of deep intimacy It's where I've been hoping to get with someone. But it's hard to imagine fast-tracking it. I can take a crash course on cleaning up a blowout or how to apply nursing pads. But the partner stuff seems harder to get the hang of. Things like how to fight, how to not fight, how to be naked all the time but still bring the sexy. All of that with someone who I'd only know for a few years tops before we're suddenly staring down a newborn. I don't know if that's for me. Growing up, it always seemed like being a single mother was something that just happened to you. But for me, I'm suddenly realizing this could be a choice, maybe even one that's better suited for me right now. Turn to page 72 to keep dating and hope for the best, or go to page 180 to forge ahead and become a mom already. Either way, there will probably still be snakes and at least one alien. We hear from so many of you, and we know you're becoming parents all different ways. These days, there are more possibilities than ever for how to do this. And while making your own path is a new idea for me, it might not be one for you. I want a glimpse into all of it. Talk to me. 
send your stories to hello at longestshortesttime.com with the subject line, Adventure. In a minute. What's up with Hillary? She's raising a kid with a partner, but that doesn't always equal easy. What's up? Don't go away. We're back, and I'm here in the studio with our producer, Kristen. What's up? Not a whole lot. What's up with you? Yeah, not much. Wonder what's up with Hillary? What's up with Hillary? What's up with Hillary? What's up? Hey, Hillary. Hey, Andrea. So I got to tell you, this crazy thing happened (laughs) the other day. Um... So Sasha's in aftercare, and in aftercare, a lot of times they do a craft. And so they had given all the kids on this particular day some model magic. Do you know what model magic is? No. It's like a kind of clay that hardens if you leave it out. So so they gave the kids this white model magic. And when I came to pick her up, all the kids were like showing me their model magic, and most of them had globs of it sitting in front of them. And... Sasha was like a celebrity, though, because they all came up to me and they were like, Sasha made hers perfect. She made hers perfect. And Sasha comes up to me and she is holding in her hand a perfect ball, like a perfectly round (laughs) blue ball. I just love the image of all the kids running to you being like, Sasha did the most amazing thing. You have to see it. Just like she has this parade of children behind her, like blowing little whistles, celebrating her artistic achievement. Uh, Now, this was initially white model magic. So the way she got it blue was that she took a blue magic marker (laughs) And she just colored right into it as she was rolling it up. And so uh, her hands were entirely blue. (laughs) And she had just been rolling this thing until it formed a perfect ball. She was really anxious that once we got home, she was going to need to put it down on a surface and it would lose its perfect roundness because of gravity. And so, like, she was trying to brainstorm ways to keep it round all night long as it dried. And the only thing she came up with was that she could, she would just have to keep rolling it and rolling it until the last minute when she went to sleep and just hope that it was dry enough that it wouldn't flatten on the bottom. So she left it out on the counter in the kitchen. And that night, my husband came home from work late, picked up the ball. <laughs> Oh no, what could possibly go wrong? Squished his thumb into it and goes, what's this? (laughs) And I was like, no. (laughs) Because I knew it was already too dry (laughs) to get it back into a ball shape so that she wouldn't know anything had happened. And he was like, no, 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 I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. And he, so he starts trying to roll it into a perfect ball, but it is too late. There is a seam in the ball at this point because it's too dry on the outsides. So I just know I was like, all right, just be prepared for the morning because <laughs> she's going to be really upset. So 
he usually does mornings with her and I get up just a little after them and downstairs I could just hear this And she was screaming and crying, and uh, he felt so bad. And then she came up with this brilliant solution. She realized that it had not completely dried all the way through, and so if she broke it apart, she could get some of the wet stuff out of the middle and just, like, close up the seam. And she was, like, never able to get it totally back to where it was, but it was close. I feel like there are parallels here to the John Moe episode with the guinea pig where you and Jonathan had to make a decision, which is, are we going to the store and buying more model magic? <laughs> like, do we try to fix this <laughs> ourselves or do we let her discover that things can go wrong with your balls overnight? <laughs> Pun intended? No, I do. Maybe. I don't. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> made a blue ball in a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so she, you, so you guys set her up to solve her own problem. I guess so. But, you know, it's just so crazy when you go to bed knowing you're going to wake up with your child being heartbroken. Okay. So Hillary, what do you think the moral of the story is here? Like, is this a story about how, I don't know, having a co-parent means that this person can destroy your kid's greatest accomplishments in life? So if I became a single mom, no one could crush my ball. Is that the secret message of the story? Um, I mean, I guess your partner could always crush the ball, but Andrea, so could you. Right. I'd have to crush all the balls. <laughs> just just me. <laughs> I would have all the blame <laughs> and all the responsibility. Yeah. That's part of raising a person, right? Like sometimes we're going to crush their dreams unintentionally, hopefully, (laughs) like hopefully we're not going out and trying to crush their dreams, but like we're going to do things that are going to upset them sometimes. And part of being in a family is learning how to repair those things or like having your kid learn how to repair their own little seams with the clay from the inside of their proverbial ball. (laughs) This has been What's Up With Hillary? What's up with Hillary? What's up? Leave your thoughts at longestshortesttime.com in the comments for this episode. That's episode number 149. This podcast is produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Kristen Clark. Our executive producer and editor is Hillary, protector of balls, Frank. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our music was performed by hotmoms.gov, one word, and directed by Allison Layton Brown. We get editorial support from Peter Clowney, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Antonia Akatunde, and Rekha Murthy. Next week on The Longest Shortest Time, we're talking to two lawyers on opposite sides of a big, important case what language they're going to teach their baby boy. And we'll hear testimony from the star witness. Do not miss this show. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like. And as always, we want to hear anything surprising you have to tell us about the adventures you've chosen. 
right now, we're getting ready to help a very cute couple have a conversation about whether or not to have kids together. We're coming up with 36 questions for them. And we want you to write one of these questions. What do you wish you'd asked your partner or yourself before having children? And child-free listeners, please chime in too. What one question made all the difference when you were deciding about kids? Go to longestshortesttime.com, hit the participate tab, and submit your story. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And we're the hosts of a brand new show called Unladylike, where we find out what happens when women break the rules. We'll be bringing you real-world women's stories, along with our own nerdy deep dives, in this weekly investigation of womanhood. How privileged would you say your abortion was? Well, okay, I might say, I might say like an Ivanka Trump. Did he just say that? Did he just put us in the same sentence? If you ask me, like, what my thighs can do, do you think I'm going to be like, they can have sex with you? Find the first episode of Unladylike now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To access ad-free and bonus episodes, visit unladylike.co slash podcast. Because we got some unladylike things to say. Da 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 da